0: All right, so maybe your parents, maybe even your grandparents already have an Airbnb and everyone is making money on it except you because you don't have one yet. And maybe you're open to buying an Airbnb in Miami but you can't find anything on the market. Well, welcome to 2022 Miami real estate, but hey, I have a new project pre-construction in Wynwood called the Nomad Residences that we're gonna talk about today from the 500s, let's rock and roll. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Jade, Nomad Residence's Airbnb condo in Miami, in Wynwood, nonetheless, season three, episode number four. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to tell you about this project today with my colleague Amit Buddha, and um, here we go. Let's go.
1: I'm going to share with you today five things you must know you need to know these things five things this isn't basic stuff five things that you must know before buying a luxury home in Miami or South Florida Miami or surrounding areas so i'm going to be sharing my screen a lot with you and this is going to be a long video but i i definitely recommend that you watch all of it because you know if you're buying a luxury home and so for this For this video, let's say a luxury home is like a million and a half or more Um, in South Florida. It used to be probably about a million, but whether it's a a single family home or a condo, assume you're buying, you're spending a million and a half or more. And if you are, make sure you watch this video because if you're going to invest that much money, there are five things that you need to know that'll definitely give you a much better understanding of buying a property in Miami. So i'm going to be sharing my screen a lot Um, let me go there okay so perhaps you came to miami and say you don't live here and most of our clients now that we're getting are from california all parts of california southern northern california and just for your knowledge besides that we're getting people from the northeast just like always um, new york new jersey connecticut um, all other areas there boston Chicago, which obviously is not on the northeast coast, um, D.C. So we're getting a lot of people moving here. And many, many of the people moving here are moving here, especially for luxury homes because of taxes. So perhaps you're here, you're visiting here, or even if you're in um, Miami and you haven't bought a luxury home yet. The, these five things that I'm going to share with you are going to give you a much better perspective on what to do, what your expectation should be, whether you choose to do business with our team or someone else, these things will help you quite a bit. Um, and like I said, the video may be a little bit longer, but it's worth spending the time to listen to it um, instead of doing the research or, or finding out by making um, some mistakes. So perhaps you're in Miami, you went to Miami Beach. This is a photo of a new listing that we're getting. Um, it's a celebrity's place, and we're just working out the details to make sure we can use the celebrity's name to market the property. But anyways, I'm gonna refer back to this property. This is a condo, it's roughly 2,000 square feet. It's, it's in Miami Beach, it's in South Beach. Um, it's $5 million so anyways so like i mentioned five things you must know before buying a luxury home in miami when i say home it could be a single family home or a condo so i'm gonna start with number one let me just get right to it number one taxes like i mentioned before people are moving here because um, we don't have a state tax so you can save a lot of money um, net on what you would make um, in you know living being a resident of Florida compared to like being a resident of California or many other parts of the country, New York or many, many other places where people are moving from to come to Florida. So taxes, when I say taxes, I'm talking about property taxes. A lot of people don't know how taxes are done here in, in Miami. And so typically what they do is they look at a listing and they see the taxes on the property. But if you do that, that's not the best thing to do because taxes could be all over the place here. If it's a new construction property, the property can't, maybe is not assessed at the correct number. Maybe if you're buying a property and the previous owner lived in it, because if you, if you have a place, if you have a place where it's your it's your primary residence also called a homesteaded property your taxes in south florida can only go up three percent a year so i'll give you an example so say you live in a place and you've lived there 25 years and obviously the market 25 years ago is probably you probably paid quite a bit less than it's worth today but every year it only went up three percent your taxes could be significantly less than if your neighbor bought and say you say it's a condo and your neighbor has the identical unit at, that, that you have and you live there 25 years, your taxes only went up 3%, but your property is appreciated exponentially since you bought it compared to that, to a person that bought it this year or last year. And, um, the taxes are way, way more because there was no 3% saved each year. So, um, we have, um, we have some legislation and process and progress not progress that we've had for a while it's save our homes taxes and basically it can only go up three percent a year um so taxes can be significantly less on one property compared to the next the whole point i'm trying to make is do not use those taxes on the current listing that you're looking at to gauge what you will be paying taxes in the future. If you're doing that, you're not doing the right thing. Typically taxes are, and there's a website actually, it's on miamiday.gov. It's a website that you can put the properties, it's called the folio number, basically like the ID number of the property. You could put down what you're gonna pay approximately and it'll give you a breakdown of what, uh, a very, very good estimate of what the taxes will be. And if you, want, if you want me to send you that um, information, just reach out to me, whether you're listening to this on a podcast or you're watching it on YouTube or any other social platform, just reach out to me. My information will be there on any of these platforms and I'll be happy to send you that link. But just to make it easy, just to get an idea of what your taxes are, again, this is a guesstimate, it's not gonna be, a hundred percent accurate, but it's going to be accurate enough for you to make a decision on the property. And if you're, if when you're buying a property, if your budget is so tight on a property where, uh, you know, a few, maybe a thousand or 2,000 a month makes a difference. I'm not saying that I'm off going to be off that much because I'm not, but say a thousand or 2,000 a month is going to make a huge difference on purchasing the property, let's say it's a thousand. If it's that tight, don't buy the property. Buy something less expensive. The last thing I want you to do, or pretty much most real estate agents want you to do, is buy a home that you should fall in love with, but be so tight with your budget where it it really hurts you to live in that property. It's not worth it. You know, you'll love the property in the beginning, but more than loving it every month, you'll be hating it because you can't afford it. So the taxes. So a good gauge, a good estimate of the taxes on the property are 2%. So say you're buying a $5 million property. Typically, your taxes are going to be slightly less than 2%. Um, it could be like $90,000, 100000 give or take. Sometimes it's a little bit more than 2%. Sometimes it's a little bit less than 2%. And even if you buy it, and it's less than that, it's gonna reassess most probably the next year. So with that said, the taxes are higher here on um, properties that that people buy, our taxes are higher compared to California, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 1% of the price or something similar to that. But they have such higher taxes and everything else, it's still a huge net gain, net win for people to move to Miami and in savings so again taxes roughly about two percent if you know once you get your your tax bill there are ways of fighting it where you could hire people where you can consign with someone where you don't pay money unless they save you money on the taxes if you need for me if you want me to help you with that just reach out to me again direct message whatever however you want to reach out to me I'll, i'll send you a few different options that you can choose Okay. So taxes is number one. Number two, let me see if I can scroll down. So number two is insurance. Okay. So in Florida, our insurance, when I say insurance, our homeowners insurance. So I'm giving you an example. So single family homes, because it's pretty much any area that you live in the world, they're usually going to be huge pros and huge cons living in that place so living in south florida some huge pros first of all um, we have great weather we have our properties are significantly less expensive than like new york or northern california chicago for the most part um, big places like paris or or you know hong kong and just other places with that have a name association like Miami where anywhere anyone in the world when you say Miami is going to know where Miami is where likewise if you say Paris or New York or Chicago or wherever something like that they'll know so definitely some pros but the con one of the biggest cons is we have hurricanes every once in a while so i've lived in Miami since i i was 4 years old Miami Beach and Miami and with that said during that time, we've had every year you have hurricane warnings, pretty much, or hurricane, uh, hur- you, hurricane warnings, hurricane. I forgot what the other terms are, but basically we're warned about a pending or a possible hurricane. And um, but in all those years, um, there's only been only knock on wood. Um, three hurricanes that have actually taken place since I've lived here. And I'm much older than four years old, you know? So it's been many, many years and we've had three hurricanes. But with that said, our homeowners insurance is much higher than most places. Give you an example. My wife and I live in a place called Pinecrest. Our homeowners insurance is about $12,000. So it is definitely higher than a lot of other places but again, the net sit, the net savings of living in Miami are huge. So again, number one, our taxes, our property taxes are higher. It's roughly two percent of the value. Number two, the insurance. Expect it to be more than what you're probably paying where you're at. I would highly recommend you get a quote um, from insurance. And again, I'm not trying to like give you a ton of people, to you have to use my guy or this guy or whoever it is, or gal, I'll be happy to give you recommendations, but I'd also recommend you like using Google and check out reviews that people are giving, maybe next door, the, the social platform next door, or, or anything, just do your due diligence on what insurance should be on the property that you're purchasing. If it's a single family home, it's gonna be exponentially more than if it's a condo. So number three, number three are HOA fees, okay? So that property that I showed you in the beginning, that $5 million property, it's a pretty cool building actually. Um, Since we don't have it on the market yet, I can't give you too many details on it, but in that building, um, I can't give you like an address, but I can give you some hints. So that property, is 18 stories it's in a building it's 18 stories but there are only 10 people that 10 different units out of 18 stories it's crazy so they have amenities they have um, parking so they have many things in the building so but only 10 10 units are in an 18-story building something unheard of usually in an 18-story building you can have um you know over 100 people in the building but in this case there's only 10 10 people that live in the build 10 10 units not people because you know each unit has typically has more than one person so in this building in this property I'll show it to you again so this this property this, this has a huge balcony you can see the ocean there it's in an awesome area of South Beach but anyways this unit the maintenance fee is about fifty six hundred dollars per month, that doesn't include taxes, that's just the homeowners association fee of 5,600. Um, so I'm gonna go back to to number three. So the, with these properties that you're purchasing, if they're condos or townhomes, sometimes single family homes, but the HOA fees for single family homes are traditionally much less than condos. So the main reason are there are a few reasons why one of the main reasons for most buildings maybe not this one but it, it has something to do with it is part of the hoa fee is the insur the insurance cost the the building insurance i really hope you can't hear the lawnmower or the edging outside if you do i apologize for that i have my AirPods. hopefully it's blocking out the noise with zoom but um if you can hear it i'm sorry about that so anyways the hoa fees are gonna be pretty high because one of the components of the hoa fee is the insurance for the building so um that means the exterior walls that means like the common areas that means um everything the structure but it what it doesn't include are the the floors inside the unit everything inside the unit basically the floors the appliances any liability you wanted to purchase for like if some someone gets hurt in your unit so those fees aren't covered but that makes it those you know typically insurance is significantly less because of that so it could be like only a few thousand a year if you have just this um just the interior insurance that you're paying the exterior, the building insurance is typically going to be much higher because it includes the homeowner's insurance. If it's a townhouse, sometimes it includes if the HOA fee is typically on the high side, what you higher than what maybe you would expect, compared to like properties. It, it could be if it has like a unit number, that means it's usually, the townhouse is, has a legal description, condo, where that means um, the roof is covered with the HOA fee. If it doesn't have a unit number, then typically you need to purchase the um, roof coverage with your homeowner's insurance. Um, so that's a little bit different. So HOA fees, make sure that you find out what the exact number is because they can be a lot higher than maybe what you expect. Number four, escrow deposits um, and variations. So I know a lot of agents around the country. Um, our team, there's five of us on our team. It's it's obviously me, um, we have Jade on the team, Will, Vico, and um, and Donna. So what's pretty cool about our team, and this is like an aside, is we have so many different nationalities and there's, uh, Melissa Mago, as well, um, M- Mel, for short, is is uh, Filipino. Um, I'm Indian. Jade is American. Vico is Syrian. He's Jewish. Um, also, Donna is she's Puerto Rican, Honduran. Will is Cuban and German. So we have a lot of different nationalities on our team, which is pretty cool. But with that said, because we know so many people around the world and around the country, we know that every real estate market is slightly different than others. So I'll give you an example. In Atlanta, I have a friend, Laura. Laura's a very good friend of mine, and she's an agent there. And the escrow deposits there are significantly less than they are here. In New York and California, just depends where you're at. California, you know, they're different. California is so big, so there's there are many different variations of escrows. Um, In New York, it's closer to how Miami is. So I'll give you an example. The variations. First of all, are you financing or are are you paying cash? If you are financing, and sorry about the noise again, and if you're not hearing that noise, you must be thinking I'm crazy because you're like, what noise, what noise. But anyways, if you are financing a property, so I'm gonna give you an example. Let's stick with the $5 million property. If you are paying cash for that property, typically, again, this is a negotiable item when you're purchasing a property, but typically uh, escrow deposit for a $5 million property is 10%. So that escrow deposit for that $5 million property would be $500,000. So that escrow deposit goes towards your purchase. It's going to go towards, um, basically it goes towards, um, what you're going to, what you're going to, since you're paying cash, it would be the balance closing costs and all that. Um, and assuming you, you, you do everything that you're supposed to in the contract, you're not going to lose it. I mean, if you, if you choose to back out of the deal during the time you have the option to do that, you get your escrow deposit back. So where does the escrow deposit go to? In South Florida, in Miami, you have two options. You could either use a real estate attorney, which let would say 95% of our clients do, or you can use a title company. You can use either. The buyer in South Florida, in Miami, has the option to pick who they want to close the transaction for them. In some cases where it's sometimes it's a new development, newer development, newer construction, or it's a foreclosure, which are like next to none now, or short sales, which I haven't seen a short sale in years. Um, With those, with um, foreclosure, short sale, or developer sales usually, um the seller will pick the closing agent and typically what happens it's not hundred percent but typically when the seller picks the closing agent it doesn't mean that you can't hire your own attorney you can but the one that actually closes the transaction would be if you if the seller picks them typically they would pay for the buyer's um title insurance it doesn't always happen because on new construction, it doesn't always happen. It usually doesn't happen. But on a typical sale, if the seller selects the closing agent, the title company or the real estate attorney to close the transaction, they typically pay for the buyer's title insurance. So that's where your escrow deposit would go. So you can do it in multiple um, ways. You know, sometimes people do the escrowing. So say in this case, it's $5 million property. You're putting um, you're putting 500,000 down. You could you know, you can split it up. You can do it different ways. You could put, you know, 50,000 now and after your inspection period, you put the other 450,000. However you want to do it is fine. It's a negotiable item. It doesn't mean that your offer will get accepted but you can choose to do whatever you want with your offer. Um, If it's a finance sale, it's typically 5%. So in this case, if it's um, the same $5 million property, your escrow deposit would be 250000 okay? So half, 5% or 10%. On new construction, it's different. On new construction, they typically have different... um, I guess payment, uh, it's like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it, I, but I'm not, I'm not coming to that, the way to say it, but basically you'll have a few different payments throughout the transaction. So if you're buying new construction, depending on the building, the developer chooses their own payment um, structure. So like it could be um, at, at the signing of the contract for the unit you're purchasing, you would give 10%. Then potentially like after that after um you you um maybe in a month later 30 days later you give another 10%. Maybe then in the future um at building top off you give another 30%. I mean another 10% and then at closing you give the remainder. Each building is different but if it's new construction it's typically much higher than even if you were paying cash for a regular purchase with the escrow deposit. There are some things that you can do. Some lenders will lend you the money for the deposits, but that's a little bit more technical. I'm not gonna get into that because it could be, it doesn't always exist. That's more the exception to the rule than the rule. So if you're buying new construction, typically expect to, to end up putting like 30, 40, 50% deposit prior to it closing out of pocket okay so number five this is the most important thing the dynamics of the current market so what are the dynamics of the current market when you're buying a luxury home you know the best way i could say it is your agent's gonna know so like one of the things i was saying is is like with ESCO deposits, can you put, if you're paying cash, can you put less than 10%? Yeah, you can put, you can put 2% or 1%. You can put very little, but the odds are it's not going to get accepted where, or it's going to get counter-offered. So in our market right now, um, basically we are, this is my 18th year doing real estate. And in my 18 years, there was another real estate boom in the past between 2004 to about seven, where it was really busy, but that wasn't even close to how busy it is now. In the past, it was sort of like fake money, meaning anyone could get a loan if you had great credit and the person made thirty thousand a year, but they 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 had something called a, what was it, a stated income loan. The person had great credit and they stated that they made whatever they made say they made say, stated that they made 200,000. They didn't need to prove it, but they had great credit. They could end up getting like $800,000 property, a million dollar property and without showing their their income. And unfortunately, a lot of people in those days and times would um lie about their income. They made 30, 40 grand. They they said they made 200. They bought a $800,000 property and the market was so good back then that after they got it they sold it in a couple months and they made a lot of money. So even though the market was really strong then, it is significantly stronger than it is than it, it, it it's significantly stronger now than it was then. The main difference besides having even less inventory now than in the past, we're getting way more people that are moving here in South Florida from from all the areas I mentioned, California, you know, New Jersey, New York, um, Connecticut, um, Vermont, um, we're getting Boston, Chicago, (coughs) basically all the Northeast and the West Coast as well in Chicago. But what's also making it much stronger for a seller and why values have gone up so much are because because a lot more people are paying cash. We're probably 35, 40% and much higher in different price points than in the past. So people are putting a great deal of cash. You know, they're they're either purchasing cash or they're putting a big down payment. And with this because there's such low inventory, it's a huge buyers market. I'll give you an example. Three years ago, I sold a property in a place called Palmetto Bay. I sold a property for $630,000. It was a normal home. It was a nice home. It was like, you know, a four, two and a half, had a pool, two car garage, decent sized lot, slightly less than half an acre. And it was in Palmetto Bay, which is a nice area in Miami, a very like suburban area, good schools and stuff. Sold for $630,000 three years ago this person is thinking about selling it. This family's thinking about selling it, moving um, to another part of Florida. And that property, when I saw it the other day, is probably worth $1.1 $1. $1 million. So went up like you know almost 500,000 in um, three years. So it almost doubled, slightly less than doubling in three years. So the market is crazy for a buyer. So if you're, if you're I mean, for a seller, So if you're a buyer and you're trying to buy a property now, if you don't, if you try and nickel and dime and you try and negotiate a lot, you're not going to get anything. And our team is really, really good at helping people get their offers accepted. We have a bunch of things that we we've learned from mistakes and things that we've learned from other agents and just the research that we've done. We've gotten really good at negotiating the things that we can negotiate. We've been we realized a long time ago there's certain questions that we can ask that'll help um and so with that we're, we're doing a lot better but it's still a seller's market now so um if you're gonna be a buyer now in miami you're buying a luxury home you're gonna be competing against people that um have to buy meaning they're they've transferred here they're moving here they have to buy and they've probably their agents, um, you know, a lot of them are great agents, but a lot of people, a lot of agents aren't great. And where their agent hasn't like set their expectations up, haven't haven't really taught them much, whether whether it's in the contract or it's the dynamics of the market or or didn't ask the right questions, a million different things. And the buyer is getting offer after offer after offer after offer not accepted so these people and what i've seen a lot is because people are especially luxury homes a lot of buyers you know pretty much the typical luxury buyer is doing well in life typically it's not an, an inheritance but they've done well and so well in life that they can buy you know these very expensive homes and when that said they're used to being told that whatever they're doing is correct You know, so they're used to being right, and they're used to getting their way in in a nice way, or sometimes in a not so nice way. But they're getting they're used to getting their way. So all of a sudden, these people, a lot of them, are trying to buy a property, and they keep getting told no, no, no. And because of human nature, is to like have sort of an ego, especially if you're doing well in life to not get you know the door shut on them for their offer especially. So with that, th- it becomes emotional. And a lot of these buyers, a lot of the buyers are just, they just wanna win. They don't care anymore about overpaying. They don't care about like getting rid of their inspections, paying way over the appraised value. They just want to win. So these are the people you would be competing against if you are buying a property. especially a luxury property now because we're getting a ton of people moving here to save taxes to save on their net um, amount that they're going to be making per month but they're losing out a lot of these people are losing out on their offers are and they're offering crazy stuff so um i'm not trying to get you to not purchase and i'm not trying to get you to purchase i'm just telling you how it is so, you know, you're competing against those people. The good thing, though, if I had to say the good thing, though, is if you're overpaying, typically, typically the property's still going up every month because um, our inventory is so, so tight. Last year, I made a mistake. I predicted like by the middle of the year, maybe by like April, May, June, um, that our market would slow down tremendously. It hasn't done any of that. And I I did finance in college and I worked for a hedge fund company. But with that said, I was still wrong with the market. And so our market is as hot as it's ever been. So even if you end up overpaying, the odds are, I can't guarantee it, but the odds are the property value after you pay, someone will probably pay more in your same neighborhood, same building or wherever it is, and you will still get equity, most probably. So know the dynamics of the current market and each each market is differently miami is so hyper local um basically there's so many different areas of miami and each market is a little bit different than the other we could have markets where it's a huge seller's market and we can have areas in miami where it's barely a seller's market um your agent will know if you need help from us, our team, just reach out to me and I'll be able to give you the specifics of the area you're looking at. And it's not just the area, it's the price range. We look at a million things. We look at basically the eye, we look at things through the eyes of a buyer and a seller. And we have like our own, I guess it's not really, but our, our, Basically, like our algorithm, how we how we figure out everything to give you the best shot of getting the home by looking at a ton of different data points, and so yeah, so those are the five things that you um, basically have. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. Those are five things that you have to know, that you need to pay attention to. Write it down. You know, pause the video and write those five things down. And if if after you write those five things, you don't know, like you don't remember what I told you, do one of two things, either watch the video again or reach out to me and our team will be happy to help you and share with you the dynamics. Because the bottom line is um, we, you know, we do this every day and you probably don't. So it's, it's um, you know, we're, we're so used to the trend changes. We can see things happening typically before, you know, anyone else does. And like, just to give you an example, in the past, in a market, if you're a buyer and say you're buying in a neighborhood, I live in Pinecrest, that's a part of Miami. And so say you're buying a property in Pinecrest, typically what you would do is you would look at homes that sold in the past and you would look at, so say there was a property that closed that the, the sale closed three months ago and say today is like, we're getting close to the end of um, March. Today is March 28th. I cheated a little bit. I looked at the, at the date. So it's March 28th. So if it closed three months ago, so basically say we're in April, say it closed three months ago, say it closed in January. Typically that would be a good comp, but our market is so, so, tight right now with such limited inventory let's look at it this way that property that sold three months ago it probably had an accepted offer 30 to 60 days prior to that so let's say it's 60 days so instead of closing three months ago it closed it basically an offer was accepted on that property five months ago so if you look at the market from five months ago so that's basically i don't know like um november december and if you look at november december the the real estate market then compared to now roughly april it's huge it's such a different it's such a different market so you can't use comps you have to use other things and like i said we have all these different data points that will help you figure it out um, and give you the best possible chance of getting your um offer accepted So hopefully this video helps you. Wanted to tell you um, one last thing, a couple last things. Um, One of the last things is the team and I have created this, this in my, in my uh, mind is the best Miami neighborhood guide around. It's still a work in progress. So I'll, I'll give you this example. So this is what I did. So last year, I think it was about April of last year, I realized that everyone knows that's not in Miami for the most part. No Miami is Miami, meaning Miami Beach is Miami, Coconut Grove is Miami, Coral Gables is Miami, Miami is Miami. But as a local, as someone that's lived in Miami for 40 plus years, I know Miami as different, some different areas. Coconut Grove, Pinecrest, Palmetto Bay, um, Morningside, Bal Harbor, Sunny Isles, Beach, just different areas of Miami. So I picked out like 35 or 40 of these different hypo-local areas, and we have five blogs on each of them. So the blog, so the blog is, I'll give you an example. So say it's South Beach. First thing would be Explore South Beach gives you a little history of South Beach. It tells you about like basically how many people live there. A little history story of South Beach. Next thing would be so that's the first blog. Second blog is five things you may not know about South Beach. So to give you even more of an in-depth education on South Beach or any of these other areas, these 35 or 40 other areas that we picked out. The next thing would be five things to do in South Beach. Obviously, there are way more than five things in South Beach. But in each area, we pick out five things that you can do. Next thing is five places to get dinner in South Beach. Five different restaurants where you can eat, where we give you you know, a breakdown of these five different places. And then the last blog is um, five places to get dessert. Because it's pretty cool to go to one place for dinner and then after that, just go somewhere else for dessert because why be limited to just one place for dinner and dessert? So we have those different options. And the last thing we did is we did a neighborhood video. We're, we're working on probably 40 of these neighborhood videos. We've probably done about 20 plus neighborhood videos. So um, So yeah, I'm excited about that because we were getting so many people and whether you're buying or not, if you're just visiting Miami, I I got the idea because of this. I would always get people coming to Miami and say, hey, I'm coming to Miami. I'm going to Wynwood. I'm going to Brickell. I'm going to Midtown or wherever else in Miami they're going. What should I do? Where should I eat? Um, Tell me a little bit about it. Do you have a video of it? And I'm like, let me just create this, um, this neighborhood guide. So the team and I and all of us have been working pretty hard on this. And I'll share a link to that. And Hopefully this video helped you. And like I said, um, like I always say, thank you so much for watching our videos. If you like our content and you want to watch our videos the second they're released, make sure to hit that notification bell, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and you'll get our videos um, as soon as they're released. And also, if you like our video, like or comment, if you think there are things that we can do better, Please comment on it, and we'll do our best to improve. And if we could do anything to help you find a place, sell a place, anywhere in the world, not just Miami, we have connections everywhere, just let us know, and we'll be happy to help you. Last thing I have to say, so for those of you that have been watching my um, hair transplant journey, in case you're wondering why I'm sharing my hair, I am roughly... um, Just under eight months into it, I had um, 3,300 grafts put in my head. Dr. Um, Alan Bauman, Alan J. Bauman, if I'm not mistaken. He's one of the best um, hair transplant surgeons in um, the world. He's gotten so many awards for that. I did a video of me being there, the team of videographers um created the video i'm gonna create some more videos i'm going there april 11th for my it was gonna be six months but he's so busy so it'll be roughly my eight month um progress report we're gonna film another video and um yeah it takes roughly about a year and a half to get your full growth so i'm probably like 60 70 percent in i'm really happy with the results um You know, if you check out my other videos from about a year ago, you'll see that I have way less hair. So anyways, enough about that. Thanks again so much for watching and hope to meet you in person one day if we haven't met already. Take care, love you guys, all the best.
0: Thanks so much to everyone who listened today. So if you are looking for an Airbnb condo in Miami at Nomad, for only 500 or anywhere in Miami, we are happy to help. Just reach out to me on Instagram at Jade Kalbacker. Have a great day.